You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So for today, I want to take some time to look at the not just the undrafted free agents, but also the minicamp invitees, which may not sound super exciting to some of you, but that actually is very exciting if you think about it. We know who we drafted. And usually that's just kind of where this ends, and then it's like, all right, let's talk about the season. But there's more to the story. There are other people who signed contracts with the Green Bay Packers that technically are right now Green Bay Packers. And even though there's not 100% guarantee that they're going to be with the team, and a lot of them will not be, some of them probably will be and could potentially have good careers, no different than anybody else that we've talked about. Beyond that, the minicamp, even less likely that they make it, potentially even more exciting if you kind of think about what we're talking about here. This is sort of the, the, the end of the road for a lot of these guys. Not only were they not drafted, they're not signing any contracts with anyone, and the Packers are giving them an opportunity saying, look, if you want to come in and try a couple things out, run some routes, do some push-ups, we'll see how it goes. But I'm not sure how long that'll take because I don't know how many of these guys I'm even going to be able to find uh, um, information on. I know some of them I already recognize. For example, Mr. Uh, for example, Mr. Taylor Cornelius out of Oklahoma State, I definitely recognize. I think I actually have his scouting report on NFLBigBoard.com. As a matter of fact, I know that he's a monster at six foot six, two hundred and thirty-two pounds. Uh, Yash, the ta- the tackle, I recognize. So, anyways, that's what I want to at least start with, and we'll see how long this takes. There's quite a few of them, so it could definitely take the whole day. But before we get there, if you would be so kind as to leave an iTunes uh, five-star rating and review. It doesn't have to be iTunes, but that's kind of the gold standard. It's like 60-some percent of my listens come from there. A lot of my other listens come from places that aggregate from iTunes. So, you know, how my show ranks on iTunes is kind of the biggest metric. But I know Stitcher is also a place where you can leave a rating and review if you listen to that. Or even if you don't, you can go to Stitcher and leave a review, which is actually a lot easier than iTunes. So I would encourage you to do that as well. But if you do, just please send me over a screenshot of it. I've had several of you do that over the last couple days. Because, again, once we get to 200, the competition is over. I'm closing the door, and I'm going to be picking a name out, and somebody's going to be getting a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. I'm kind of getting excited about giving that away. Also, check the link in the description for the merchandise. Got some sweet new shirts and whatnot, so be sure to check that out. Uh, make sure you get into the Facebook group. And I actually did it. I said I was going to do something, and by golly, I did it. The 2020 NFL Big Board um, is live on NFLBigBoard.com. There's under 100 names. I've got well over 100 names total, but as I've said, I don't like to aggregate unless there's multiple boards that have a a score on somebody. My, My typical standard is three, but because we're just getting started, I have two. So if two different boards have this guy's name on it, we're going live with it. I mean, it's 
it's April, so, you know, super good accuracy is not exactly my goal. I just want to make sure we at least have two boards to reference. But that's the preliminary uh, big board, our first one of the year. It's also a little bit less accurate because I'm using mock drafts because there's only like three boards, two or three boards that I could find. The rest are all mock drafts. So it's not exactly who's the best. It's kind of who's the best slash best fit for these teams. So you got quarterbacks that are too high because Tua's assuming, well, he, he could still be number one anyways, but you figure the quarterbacks are going to go early. So they're probably a little higher. Maybe, maybe. Not. I mean, it's it's a good quarterback class. It could be runner, runner, quarterbacks going anyways. But anyways, be sure to check that out trying a slightly different format with the positions, going with more general position and then a more specific position next to it, still trying to iron that out. But as I'm ironing, ironing it out, um, I wanted it to go live, so it did. Any questions, please call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. I think tomorrow that's going to be kind of my goal, is to start running through these questions because there's quite a bit of a backlog there um, between the text messages, the uh, voicemails, and then the Facebook group. Some of those questions may have expired by now, but I want to uh, start picking at that. Finally, if you are interested in getting a Pro Football Focus subscription and don't want to wait to see if you win one, there is a link in the description. All I ask is that if you're buying one, use my link. And um, it doesn't cost you anything, but it sends 10 bucks my way, so it would be greatly appreciated. All right, we'll take a little break, and then we'll uh, jump right into it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So let's start with the quarterbacks, because I mentioned one, but the Packers actually brought on three quarterbacks. It's actually kind of cool if you think about it because we got to remember we got a new offensive coordinator and as the, as much as we understood the kind of the the profile of a Mike McCarthy quarterback who your quarterback is is kind of important and we have a new GM and a new head coach. So even though we didn't draft one, we still get a little bit of a flavor of maybe what, you know, our new Green Bay Packers team is looking for. Maybe maybe not, but still when when you talk about the the bottom of the roster at least maybe we can start to, you know, the bottom of the barrel guys are sort of the scout team guys. The scout team guys are the guys that you want to be able to run your concepts and the things that you want, well, also other teams' concepts. But let me just put it this way. There's a very good chance that one of these guys ends up winning the uh, the number three spot. I mean, just mathematically speaking, it's it's three against one if we're talking about QB3. But anyways, the three quarterbacks we got, are Taylor Cornelius out of Oklahoma State, Manny Wilkins out of Arizona State, and the one that I have very little information on who we're going to start with is C.J. Collins. Uh, He went to the Southwest Assemblies of God University. So again, not a ton of information, but 6'5", 225. Um, Basically, all I've got for that, I mean, I've I've got an interview, but I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I've, I've, you know, got to go to work at some point here. But through for uh, 3,209 yards on 440 attempts, um, total yards was actually less because he ran for negative 67 yards. I don't know why he keeps getting so much negative yardage. Uh, week one, negative 41 yards, then 52, 19, negative 25, negative 7, 0, negative 27, negative 9, negative 13, negative 16. I don't know if these are just a ton of sacks or what exactly is going on with this guy, but um, lots of negative yardage. Followed by a couple games with a lot of positive yardage. 
Um, average yards per play, 6.5 yards. Total touchdowns, 31. So he played 10 games. You figure about three touchdowns a game. And um, roughly 300 yards per game. So 300 yards, three touchdowns is a pretty standard game. I don't have interceptions or anything on here. I'm just, this is what I got, man. DaxStats.com, the NAIA official statistics website. So burn. That's all I got for you, folks. However, moving on to the other two guys, I actually do have them on my spreadsheet, which is kind of cool. And actually, I, they're not bottom of the barrel. They're, uh, they're right in the middle. So I've got them right next to each other. Taylor Cornelius I have as my 13th ranked quarterback, and uh, Manny Wilkins I have as my 14th ranked. Now, I only put 21 quarterbacks on here, so there's others that maybe could have been higher, could have been lower, whatever. But I had them both ahead of Jordan Tayamu, Kyle Shermer, Clayton Thorson, David Blow, Jared Stidham, Tyree Jackson, and Nick Fitzgerald. So just running through a couple different things here. As far as overall passing grade, Taylor Cornelius was actually relatively low. He was the, uh, what is that, fifth lowest. Manny Wilkins was 13th, so kind of still middle of the pack. Uh, Passing grade is obviously pretty important. That's the PFF official passing grade. Running ability, Taylor Cornelius was fifth. That's going to be the biggest thing with him. Very, very big, very, very athletic. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was maybe the guy. It could Maybe it was somebody else. It might have been Easton Stick. Somebody that we're talking about should probably not be a quarterback and maybe they play with that with Taylor Cornelius but I'm guessing not he's just going to be a big athletic freaky guy that is gonna you know again scout team stuff if he makes the team Uh, Manny Wilkins was 11th so again middle of the pack completion percentage uh, Manny Wilkins was 14th everybody kind of has a good grade again we're talking about college quarterbacks so whatever but I gave him an 8.06 out of 10 he had a 72.5 completion percentage Taylor Cornelius was 18th out of 21, so fourth worst, but still a uh, 7.64 out of 10. Completion percentage under pressure, which I think is incredibly important for a quarterback. I think it's one of the more underrated things, and I'm glad PFF tracks it, because you look at it, and I think you get a lot of college quarterbacks that can be successful in college, and then they start getting some NFL pass rushers in their face and completely crumble. But Manny Wilkins was 10th, gave him a 7.7 out of 10. Taylor Cornelius was 14th gave him a 7.3 out of 10. Deep ball completion percentage, Taylor Cornelius was again 14th, 41.9%, gave him a 6.98 out of 10. Manny Wilkins was um, 15th, so just one spot below him, 6.8 out of 10. And then finally, relative athletic score, um, Taylor Cornelius was second only behind Tyree Jackson. So Tyree Jackson was kind of the big name. Everybody knows he's super tall, super athletic. Taylor Cornelius is very similar kind of build to Tyree Jackson. The only difference is he's sort of a better quarterback. (laughs) Taylor Cornelius, that is. Um, And then Manny Wilkins comes in at 14. So I I guess the two difference, the the difference here is Manny Wilkins was middle of the road in just about every category. Like at worst, he was what? Like 16th and at best he was 10th. Taylor Cornelius is like top five in some categories, bottom three in other categories. He's kind of all over the place. But I think you're getting somewhat more of a... Taylor Cornelius is the guy that I think Packer fans are going to want to root for because he's a wild man. He's huge. Um, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily know if he has a rocket arm, but he fits that profile, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's, he's going to be the Brett Favre guy. Just, just, just guessing. I don't know. But you got a, a, a big guy who, you know, somewhat okay completion percentage. In other words, he might be all right, might make some bad decisions, but he's going to be able to rip off some big plays and do some crazy stuff. So I could see him being the, the guy in camp that Packer fans really like. But I don't know. It'll be fun. It's always fun. It's always fun when the quarterbacks get out there and start competing. 
Uh, we'll see who makes it to the preseason and who doesn't, but it'll be fun to see. We, we would have, right now we've got six quarterbacks. We're not going to have six quarterbacks when the time comes, but we will have somewhat of a competition, even if it's just one guy in the mix with the three that we already have. So I'm excited, and again, Taylor Cornelius is sort of that wild card that uh, could be kind of fun to watch. So anyway, it's going to take a little mini break, and then uh, we'll dive into some other prospects here. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so next I want to go with wide receiver just because I'm, I'm kind of starting with the most exciting and then moving our way down. We didn't draft any wide receivers. Um, I'm trying, especially at this point in time, not to be super critical, right? This is the positive time of the year. Um, I think this is one area where I'm slightly concerned. Obviously, there's a, there's the potential that we have a very, very good wide receiver group. And there's there's also been some good conversations, and I think this does make sense, that maybe you don't need elite wide receivers, right? Maybe I'm kind of nitpicking. If you look around the league, there's a lot of teams that don't even have anyone as good as Devontae Adams. And then on top of that, you've got teams that not only do they not have a Devontae Adams, but how many people have teams have a Devontae Adams and then have somebody better than the group that we have? It does exist, right? The Vikings have two wide receivers. Some teams have two good wide receivers. So even if we don't get one of these guys to take a big leap, which wouldn't be that surprising if somebody does and becomes a legitimate number two, but, you know, again, sort of nitpicking. What, what, have, what have I talked about in depth during this sort of offseason period as far as breaking down Super Bowl champions? What do you need? quarterback defense those are the two biggest things we have the quarterback and if there's one thing that that Brian Gutekunst has tried to do it's get this defense going and we have the potential to have a fantastic defense so rather than you know trimming around the edges and doing all the silly stuff let's let's bring up our I shouldn't call it silly but you, you get what I'm saying right if quarterback and defense are the things that make the biggest difference especially if you have both right, like the Patriots have had for a long time, if you want to have long-term sustained success, if you want to have a good regular season, postseason, postseason especially, and then have a shot in the Super Bowl, it's it's going to be defense, right? Quarterback is, is super important. Offense is super important, um, especially like early in the season when things are kind of volatile, when you can just rip off 50 points or something crazy. But when you get to the end of the season, when, when things start to solidify and, and you can't really just take advantage of people and blow everything up and they kind of got you figured out and nailed down, that's when teams like the Chiefs and, and uh, the Rams start to fall apart and teams that can really hammer it down, uh, you know, the, the Colts and the, the Ravens, not that the Ravens did very well, but these are the kinds of teams that can really lock it down in the postseason and tend to do well. And that's why the last several Super Bowl champions are teams with good um, defenses, I think, Teams are taking note of that. I think Brian Gutekunst is taking note of that. And he realizes if we focus solely on offense without fixing this defense, we're, we're kind of kicking ourselves in the head. Still, um, it's an area that I would 
I worry about because when I saw the offense not working, although there's several things that we have done, fix the offensive line, hopefully at least uh, bring in a new offensive coordinator. Hopefully that can help with the passing game and get the run game going. Everything will be fine. But if that's not the case and we end up doing similar to what we did last year where the passing game just isn't working because the wide receivers aren't doing what they need to do, the season's kind of over before it started. So again, keeping it positive, no reason to panic, but that's one area where it's like, I kind of wish we had done something there. But anyways, the uh, the wide receivers, there's several of them. The, uh, the undrafted free agents that uh, have signed contracts, we've got Kabion Enton from Colorado, wide receiver slash cornerback is how he's listed. Matt Eaton, wide receiver out of Iowa State. And then the minicamp invites Jamarius Way from South Alabama and Darius Shepard from NDSU, North Dakota State. So we'll start with Matt Eaton because uh, why not? Six foot four, 209 pounds. So I want to start off with a little bit of his news, just checking out Roto World because, you know, some good stuff there. So first of all, he was a JUCO transfer. So he went from Temple to JUCO to Iowa State. The cool thing is the guy that he came there to play with and there was talk about possibly replacing was Mr. Alan Lazard, who is currently on the Green Bay Packers roster, or Alan Lazard, excuse me. He also played alongside Hakeem Butler, who was a guy that was drafted a little bit later than some people expected, but was drafted. Here is a comment. This is from Bleacher Report, but it says, Iowa State starting quarterback Jacob Park called Ju- uh, redshirt junior wide receiver Matthew Eaton a freak. Ranked as ESPN's number 33 Juco transfer in the uh, past cycle, the 6'4 Eaton, a former Temple Owl, has opened eyes in his brief time in Ames. Quote, he's got some dynamic ability to him that when he moves on the field, you take notice. Wide receiver coach Brian Gasser said he has a really good attack off the line and a really good attack in his routes. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be fun to watch these next couple of years. Iowa State has a legitimately scary receiving duo in Eden and Alan Lazard, both of whom are 6'4 or taller. Um, Nothing super great about his uh, pro day numbers. He ran a 4.6640, only 10 reps on the bench, so not a whole lot of strength. Overall, this is probably sort of the issue. Not overly athletic, but a good football player. The question is, it's sort of the opposite of some of the other guys, right? A lot of these guys, it's not a super polished football player, but a lot of athleticism. So if they can put it together, there you go. With this, it's like, well, he's a good football player, but there's concerns about whether or not he can compete at an NFL level because he, you know, runs 4.66 and whatnot. Overall, he had a 5.35 relative athletic score, which isn't the end of the world. I mean, with the context of running a 4.66, it becomes kind of problematic, but there's other guys that are in that range. But uh, finally, here is what Tony Pauline essentially had to say about him. As far as his pros, big body receiver who flashes ability on occasion, quickly releases off the line of scrimmage and sells routes, fires into breaks and stays low on exit, extends his hands to make the reception away from his frame, gives effort as a blocker. His negative, shows little speed and no ability to get separation downfield, drops some very catchable passes. So the drops thing is somewhat more concerning, but again, you know, I think with wide receivers, we spend too much time focusing on 40 time, which is somewhat irrelevant. I think the two most important things are, well, three, I guess. You look at quickness, which apparently he does very well, right? Quickness off off the line of scrimmage, quickness in and out of routes. Good hands and good route running, which is similar to quickness, but a little bit different. I suppose you could add yards after the catch to that list as well. But again, if he can, if he's a good enough route runner, that it doesn't matter, right? Devontae does not have top-end speed. He has the ability to separate. 
right? He's got quickness in and out of his routes, which is how he gets that initial separation. He's got a good understanding of what the defense is doing, which gives him the ability, once again, to separate. Understanding the the cornerback's assignments and whatnot in zone and things like that, or how you find open areas. So he does have that ability. Now there, he, he's going to have limitations, again. Little to no speed and ability to get separation downfield. He's not going to run a go route and get behind a corner. But does he have enough to come in and contribute on some level? Yes. The other undrafted free agent that uh, the Packers brought on was uh, Kabion Ento, Kabion Ento, whatever. Relative athletic score 7.3. Overall metrics, okay size, okay speed, or good speed, elite explosion, and poor agility. Uh, his 40 time is 4.54. I know that's the number everybody wants to know. If you look at some of his uh, PFF advanced uh, uh, metrics, his yards per route run was 1.26, which out of, jeez, oh, a few hundred wide receivers was almost dead last. Interestingly enough, the one who was dead last, Matthew Eaton <laughs> out of Iowa State. 1.08 is what he ran. But six foot three, 190 pounds as a smaller guy, also a JUCO transfer, transferred in 2016, um, as a junior, played in all 13 games, only one was a start against Utah, came in to replace uh, another injured wide receiver. Overall had eight catches for 174 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 21.8 yards per reception. That's really high. Now there's a difference between yards per reception and yards per route run, right? If you run 100 routes and only catch one pass for 21.8 yards, you're going to have a very high, high yards per reception, very low yards per route run. In other words, he wasn't targeted very much, is essentially what that tells us. Uh, in 2017, as a senior, he redshirted. Really just hasn't done anything since. So, man, you want to talk about a deep dive? Holy cow. The scouting, uh, scouting group is crazy. For a guy that's uh, undersized, and we're talking about essentially starting one game ever. Played his an entire junior year, so he can make an impression there, but that's, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. So I guess we'll see, because I don't have any other information on him. Mr. Jamarius Way, who's actually a um, minicamp invitee, is one of the more well-known of the entire wide receiver group. He made it to the combine. His numbers were 4.6340, 16 on the bench, 32.5-inch vert, 119-inch broad jump. Didn't do the three-cone or the 60-yard shuttle, but a 4.6620 20-yard shuttle. Overall, coming in at uh, over 6 foot 3, 215 pounds, he had a relative athletic score of 2.32. So elite size, very poor speed, poor explosion, and uh, very poor agility, which is the only time I've ever seen very poor, and he's got two of them. But his, uh, not even so much his 40-yard his dash, which is slow, but when you start looking at his 10-yard split and his 20-yard split, essentially he takes a long time to build up his speed. Right, if, if, it ended up, if he ever ended up running 80 yards, maybe he'd get up to something respectable. But uh, his, his grade was 0.25 on his 10-yard split. Took him 1.72 seconds. Um, his worst grade overall was his uh, short shuttle, 4.66. His RAS score was 0.18. So again, not an athlete here. I shouldn't say that. That's a ridiculous way to say it. He is an athlete. He just That's not his... Compared to NFL standards, you get what I'm saying, right? It's not his athleticism that, you know, is going to help him win a, win a job with an NFL football team. Uh, Jamarius Way actually was on NFLBigBoard.com. I didn't have any info on him, but he came in at 471. That's out of 557 uh, total prospects that I had. A couple of notes here from his uh, NFL.com prospect profile. 
Here's what an AFC area scout had to say. He's a competitive kid, but is really unfocused and becomes angry and frustrated when he plays. I love the ball talent, but he's going to have trouble getting open in the NFL. So it's kind of a two-pronged problem there. Number one, he has a hard time getting open because of his lack of athleticism. And number two, apparently he's, he's like me when I was bowling when I was eight, right? Goes in the gutter and I start stomping my feet and go sit down in my chair and fold my arms and get all mad at myself. Or, you know, Cam Newton or whatever. Me when I was eight or Cam Newton, whatever example you'd like. Here's what Lance Zerline had to say. Big ball winner with above average body positioning and ball skills to take control of the situation once the ball is in the air. Um... His lack of foot quickness could create issues in getting off press, but his physicality should help him. He'll need more refined routes and his separation windows figure to be fairly small once he bumps up in competition. His size and contested catch talent will matter to teams, but he must harness and channel his emotions in a positive way to give himself the chance to make a roster. So again, he brings up the emotional immaturity. So it's going to be a long road here. And it's starting to make sense why he wasn't an undrafted free agent, why nobody wanted to sign him. Not only does he not have a lot of upside in terms of his, you know, physical ability to actually make something happen, but then you add in the kind of, again, the emotional immaturity, and it becomes kind of a thing where it's like, it's just isn't going to work out. You know, depending on how bad it is, one thing you don't want is for him to start stomping around when Aaron Rodgers is yelling at him or whatever. It's just, it's not a good situation, but best of luck to him. Sounds like a big behemoth, monstrous, go up and get it kind of guy. Could be fun to watch, I don't know. But um, anyways, 61 receptions, 855 yards, 14 uh, yard per catch average, 8 touchdowns. So not a bad season with um, South Alabama. Darius Shepard is going to be the little man of the group, 5'11", 180 pounds. He's another minicap camp tryout guy. Darius Shepard is another guy with a ridiculously low uh, relative athletic score. Doesn't have any very pores, but pretty much poor across the board at five foot. Well, they had him at 5'11". Looks like here they have him listed at 5'10". So at 5'10", 186, he ran a 4'61". That's kind of crazy. I feel like you should at least be 4'5 if you're going to be 5'10". However, one of the positives, um, he was actually third in all of college football for yards per route run. So like I mentioned, there was the other two guys were almost dead last. Andy Isabella was number one, Emmanuel Hall was number two, Darius Shepard, North Dakota State, 4.02 yards per route run, which is kind of crazy if you just think about that as a number. In other words, every time you snap the ball in a passing situation, every time he's on the field and runs a route, it's an average of four yards. So if he doesn't catch a pass on that play, on the next play on average, we're looking at eight yards. Craziness. If we continue on this list, just to show you what kind of companies in, in again, so again, Andy Isabella, Emmanuel Hall, Darius Shepard, Hollywood Brown, Paris Campbell. A lot of these guys, by the way, are slot receivers or can play slot receiver, which, again, we're talking about a lot of targets. Not only a good amount of yards, but a lot of targets. So these are possession, reception kind of guys. The question is, how good are you going to be at that when you're 5'10 and run a 4'6'6 six, six or whatever? So anyways, we'll leave it at that because i got to pick up the pace. Another receiver-esque type player is tight end Davis Coppenhaver out of Duke. In his senior season, by the way, he's listed here 6'4", 240. We'll verify that a little later. But uh, 14 reception, 115 yards, 8.2 average, 7 touchdowns. So, that's ridiculous. 14 receptions, 7 touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the number one in the nation as far as percentage, touchdown to reception percentage. So, the pronunciation apparently is Copenhaver. I can live with that. 
So not a huge amount of production, but there's enough there, obviously, for the Packers to want to take a look at him. Uh, some of the highlights, he was a 2018 academic All-ACC selection, so he's a pretty bright guy. Um, in his 41 career games, one start only, he caught 49 passes, 431 yards, 8.8 .8, uh, yards per reception, 12 touchdowns, which set the Duke career record for touchdown receptions by a tight end, surpassing the old record of 10. Um, his This past year where he got eight touchdowns, correction, he had eight of those touchdowns with Daniel Jones, which is the uh, 12th most uh, Blue Devil combo between a quarterback and somebody else. Once again, though, the uh, athleticism isn't super great. 2.0 relative athletic score, which I think is the lowest of this group so far. Actually, 1.99 is the official. Poor size, poor speed, okay explosion, poor agility. Six foot three, 245, ran a 4.92. He got beat by several offensive and defensive linemen. So, you know, and, and that, that kind of goes to show, too, you, you know, there was the question of, well, it just seems like all they are doing are looking for high upside guys that are athletic freaks. Well, that's some of it. The other side of it is people that show promise that don't have a lot of athleticism. That's what we've seen with the last, like, three or four prospects. Now, terrible athleticism, but there's something there. And especially when you talk about a tight end, right? First of all, what can he do as a blocker? I don't know the answer to that. And then if you can be a a guy that comes in as a blocker, sort of a Mercedes Lewis, but that also has a little bit of, of you know, short area kind of quickness or, or just, you know, especially as a tight end when you're bigger than everybody, even though he's not massive, you kind of get that box out ability. You get some a good nose in the in the red zone, in the end zone. Could, could have some benefits somewhere down the road. I don't know. Uh, the three other offensive players are long snapper Patrick Ebby. Not even going to bother breaking that down. We just got a long snapper in to help compete, so that's cool. I mean, it's not cool because we drafted someone and we shouldn't have to bring in competition, but it had some rocky uh, rocky snaps there, so it's good that we're bringing in competition. Let's get this thing right. But uh, one of the offensive linemen that we did sign to a contract here is Larry Williams. He's just listed here as an offensive lineman. I'm assuming he's going to be interior. I'm assuming that for two reasons. Number one, he's six foot four, 330 pounds, and number two, his relative athletic score was 1.34. He ran the 40-yard dash at his pro day at 5.61, so he's not going to be a tackle. I don't know if he's athletic enough to even be a guard, but whatever. I also see here that he was listed as a guard, so again, you can kind of narrow it down a little bit. But this is kind of another guy where there's just there's not a lot of information. So we're going to bring him in. We're going to see what he can do. Basically, he transferred several times. Uh, community college route, um, primarily a special teamer at ECU. Then he goes to Hutchins, Hutchinson Community College, plays 11 games there. Then he transfers as a junior to Oklahoma State. He started five games and then he got hurt. Then as a senior, apparently he was the most physical and best offensive lineman for the entire team in, until he got another injury. So I'm guessing in 2018 he redshirted. So basically, there's just, again, not a lot of information other than in 2017, it seemed like he was on track to have a very, very good, productive, dominant uh, season as an offensive lineman. Do I have high hopes for a guy that's not very athletic in uh, the NFL and an outside zone scheme? Not necessarily, but whatever. And last, as far as offense goes, we've got Yash Nijman. Uh, Lance Erline gave him a sixth-round grade, compared him to Timon Paris. Don't know who that is. Timon Paris, whatever. I'll give a couple of the uh, the bullet points here for him, and then we'll take a break and look at defense. It says, one look at Nijman, and it's easy to fall in love with his NFL frame and length. 
When he's on the move, he's fluid and can be effective at the second level. Upon further inspection, his body control is below average and his past sets of major holes that could be challenging to correct. He's a developmental right tackle in need of extensive coaching for improved past sets and greater consistency of aim with his run-blocking landmarks. If, a coaching lands, if the coaching lands, he could become a day three value pick if medicals check out. So out of curiosity, um, or to satisfy the curiosity, what we're talking about with this athleticism, 9.8 relative athletic score. So this gets to be a little bit more interesting, right? At his pro day, he runs a 488 at 6'6", 314 pound. He got graded with elite speed, 27 reps on the bench, uh, 30.5 inch vert at his pro day, and his broad jump uh, was 906, which was elite explosion. So size is good, speed is elite, explosion is elite, agility was good. And the only reason the agility was listed as good is because he had, although he had a great uh, short shuttle at nine uh, 9.43 as his grade, his three cone was pretty slow, 8.07. Uh, he got that down quite a bit to 7.29 at his pro day. But either way, overall, very, very, very athletic. So a little bit more promising here uh, with Mr. Yash. Yeshua Nijman, Nijman, whatever. But actually, if you look at his, his combine or at with NFL.com, they list him at six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-four pounds with thirty-four inch arms, ten inch hands. Just a monster human being. So it kind of sounds like a developmental kind of guy, right? He's got all the athleticism. It's just a matter of do we have an offensive line coach that can kind of get the best out of him? I know we used to. Hopefully the new guy that we brought in has some uh, some ability to get that going. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to really, really speed through some of the defensive guys because i got to go in a very short period of time here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so looking at defense, we're looking primarily at defensive backs. We've got uh, uh, Nider Rousey, JVN Hamilton, Dion Harris, Nate Brooks, and Devontae Williams. Then we have somebody listed at defensive end, Greg Robert. And then two linebackers, Curtis Bolton out of Oklahoma and Randy Ramsey, Arkansas. I'll start with Curtis Bolton because I actually do have him on my spreadsheet. I've got 44 uh, linebackers here. Curtis Bolton I have ranked 33rd. Um, Just going through some of the stuff here, one of the lowest as far as his tackling efficiency. Uh, Fourth lowest of all uh, linebackers. Run-stop percentage was about dead average. One of the really awesome things here, if you look at his PFF uh, pass rush grade, he was actually the third highest. Brad Koenig and Josiah Tawafa were the only two that that were any bit higher. 91.2 pass rush grade, which is elite. Uh, Looking at his ability in run defense, he was 27th, which is kind of in the middle, low middle, I guess. His coverage ability was almost dead last, third from the bottom. And his relative athletic score was 29th. Um, I, I kind of just have to wonder, considering his lack of ability in anything other than rushing the passer, if there's any desire to possibly move him to outside linebacker. Um, he's six foot two twenty eight, which is incredibly small, but you know maybe he could pack on a little weight. He ran a four five nine, which is a pretty solid forty yard dash time. Uh, in fact, he was given a grade of elite speed as well as great explosion. These are not terrible things to have as a pass rusher, and his agility was okay. It's really just his size that was considered a problem. But again, not super great at uh, tackling, not super great in coverage. 
But uh, getting after the quarterback, kind of his thing. And, and again, decent speed, decent explosion off the line. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Randy Ramsey is listed as a linebacker, but I tend to think he is going to be a pass rusher because I'm looking at PFF and they're putting him in his pass rush productivity as one of the, the stats that they put him under. Um, it's, I, again, I don't have him on my sheet, but um, his his pass his pressure percentage is 10.7, which, again, that's that's sort of that mile marker right there. You want to at least get to 10%. He's kind of right at that spot. His run stop percentage is the other thing that they give here at 3.98. Again, he's not on my spreadsheet, but if he was, it would be well below anybody that's on my spreadsheet, which is pretty terrible. Uh, relative athletic score, 5.52. He ran a 4.73 at uh, six foot three, 238 pounds. So again, given his size, 4.73 is just not great at all. I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess it's not terrible. You would just kind of hope it would be a little bit faster than that, given how small he is. But again, another really small guy, whether you want to play him inside or outside, don't really know. But we'll see what the Packers end up doing with him, if he can uh, even make the squad. Greg Roberts, the defensive end out of Baylor, uh, he had a 7.57 pass rush percentage, which is very, very low. Not a good thing. Four sacks, five hits, 10 hurries on 251 total snaps. His run stop percentage was 6.93, which again, he's not on my spreadsheet, but if he was, that would put him near the bottom. Uh, it would be just above Porter Gustin, 34th or 33rd overall out of 40. The good news, however, at six foot five, 258 pounds, running a 4.73. Again, similar 40 time, but at 6'5", 258, it's a little bit better than 6'3", 238. So 4.73 is actually a pretty solid time. Uh, he graded out overall uh, good size, good speed, great explosion, and good agility. So decent amount of upside there. He's definitely going to be playing as an end. He's too small to be inside, and I don't think there's any reason to put him as a linebacker. So he'll be outside linebacker, and uh, hopefully hopefully he can do something. I don't know. Looking at the DBs now, Nate Brooks, cornerback out of North Texas. I have him as my 19th-ranked cornerback out of 34. Pretty dead average as far as his uh, run-stopping ability, or at least his PFF grade against the run. Coverage, however, I have him graded as the ninth-best cover corner. So to give some perspective, he's above Rock Yassin, Greedy Williams, uh, Jawan Williams, quite a few people. He had a higher PFF coverage grade. By the way, North Texas, if you're wondering, well, is because the competition is garbage. Not necessarily. Um, I had it ranked 53rd overall. So to put that in context, Michigan State was 47th, Iowa State 48th. So it's, it's not that bad. Uh, his yards per coverage snap was second worst of any college guy that I have here. Elijah Holder is the only one that was worse giving up 1.48 yards per snap. A 2 out of 10 overall grade is what I gave him. Tackling also not that great, 26th out of 34. Uh, Percentage of targets that were caught, he was at uh, 53.4, 22nd overall. Something really, really exciting though, interceptions per thousand. Number one, 6.69 per thousand. Ball hawk extraordinaire over here. Uh, Pass deflections also pretty solid. He was 8th overall. Overall passer rating was actually relatively low. Um, It was a 61 passer rating, 23rd overall. Relative athletic score, 7.53. Basically very, very slow. Ran a 4.62 at 5'11", 187 pounds. He was listed as having okay size, poor speed, but elite explosion and elite agility. So definitely a lot of upside. He's got some, some good measurables, some terrible measurables. Some really, really good stats, like his interceptions and pass deflections, but also some really, really bad snaps, or stats, both. So, pretty interesting guy. It'll be it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, the other corner, Devontae Williams, Texas A&M, 6 foot, 180 pounds. And correction, that's not Texas A&M, it's Texas A&M, Kingsville. 
And there's, there's, this is another guy where it's just there's nothing. The reason he is in the position as, that he's in is the last time I can see any stats is 2016, which essentially is why he's a minicamp guy, right? That Maybe there's something there. I have no idea. Let's bring him in and see if he can do something because he didn't really have an opportunity to do anything in college, so I got nothing for him. Deion Harris, pretty similar situation. Uh, redshirt junior year in 2017 is the last that we see anything of him. But in 2016, as a junior, he was second-team All-American by American Football Coaches Association. First-team All-Big Sky, right, 36 tackles, 14 passes defended, 9 pass breakups, and uh, he led the Big Sky with 5 picks. So, again, 2016, kind of a big name, probably somebody that they were watching and scouting for quite a while, and then there's just no information. So what do you do? Bring him in, see what he can do. But this is a big dude here. He's uh, six foot three, hundred ninety-seven pounds. Probably could use a little bit more weight, but a big guy with uh, seemingly some promise. I don't know. Again, it's been several years, three years to be exact, since he was playing on a football field. Javian Hamilton actually did play last year, which is a nice change of pace. Five foot ten, one hundred seventy-seven pounds um, is what he was listed at in college. Ends up making it to five uh, ten, one hundred eighty-three pounds. So he bulked up a little bit. But uh, he played in 2017 and 2018, had 18, this is in 2018, had 18 tackles uh, and registered two pass deflections, not a whole lot there. 2017, 20 tackles, three picks for 26 yards, and five pass deflections. So actually a bit of a drop in production, which is a little bit weird. He played the exact same amount. It was 12 games and four starts in 2017 and 2018. So I don't know if it was the drop in production that kind of made him slide a little bit or what, but either way, we'll get a look at him. He's got decent athletics, uh, 696 relative athletic score. Obviously, not great size at 5'10, 184, but uh, 5'4 or a 4'5, 140. Good speed, great explosion, okay agility. But uh, finally, Nadir Rousey, whatever. Another guy who last played in 2017, but he did play and start in all 12 games. 26 tackles, 4.5 tackles for a loss, one sack, and uh, four pass breakups. Also had a blocked kick for good measure. But uh, he was listed at 6'1", 175 on his uh, Westchester University Athletics website. Don't have an update since then. I don't see anything as far as him uh, at a pro day or anything. So we're going to have to go with those numbers. Don't have any 40 time or anything like that. So it is what it is. But again, another guy who didn't apparently do anything in 2018, but seemed to be pretty promising in 2017. And anytime you're seeing block kicks on special teams, you got to assume there's a little bit of speed there. So 175, not quite the bulk you want but 6-1 is a good size and if he's got the speed to back it up and you see all the other production that's pretty good especially when we're talking about um, sacks tackles for a loss as well as pass deflections as well as kick you know block kicks and everything he's kind of all over the place you know he's doing linebacker stuff he's doing defensive back stuff he's doing special team stuff so again bring him in see if he can contribute at all a lot of defensive backs being brought in to see if they can compete but anyways that was it Again, I know not the most riveting thing, but I want to at least go over some of these guys because they could very well be on the team, and it would be ridiculous to not at least talk about them. But anyways, enjoy your Monday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.